Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop. Oh, sound like you like it or not. That's when it got wheels off. There's something about Kate Micucci you just can't put your finger on. She's magical. She just exudes this positivity. It's part of what makes her so funny, so effortlessly funny, as part of the comedy duo Garfunkel and Oates. It's part of what makes her such a great voiceover actor. If you have kids, maybe you've heard her uh, on countless cartoons, but she's Velma on Scooby-Doo, which I just think is so cool. But when you spend time with Kate, that comes through. It's this beam of light quality that she embodies. And it is only heightened by the fact that right now she is incredibly pregnant. That's not a secret. She's come out publicly and told the world that she's growing a human being inside of her, which is in itself straight up magic. But when Kate Micucci does it, oh my God. I got to sit down with her in the condo in Hollywood that she shares with her husband, um, who's a super cool musician, Jake Sinclair. Um, They're such a great couple. It's really sweet to see them together, and I'm so excited that they're bringing a tiny offspring into the world. This interview that she and I did was weird for me because... I screwed up. Um, when I do these wheels off interviews, most of the time, I'm carrying a little recording device around and clipping lavalier microphones onto the collar of my guest and then sitting with them in some really comfortable setting. That's my ideal. Um, I've done them in recording studios and in sort of sterile, um, nondescript office spaces, but I feel like it's best when I can sit down in a comfortable space um, for my guest, you know, their living room, which is the situation here with Kate Micucci, Um, even though it's, I think, a sort of temporary housing, non-permanent housing for her and Jake, it was still a comfortable space. Um, And she was so nice to meet me, despite being so pregnant. And we sat down and we had a great conversation which is, you know, I would have expected nothing less because I think the world of Kate, I think she's so interesting. And like I said, so just incredibly positive. So we're 12 minutes into this conversation and she's funny and open and all the things that I would ever want out of a wheels off guest. And I look down just to make sure that everything is working technically and realize that I never hit the proper button to start recording. 
My face flushed. I started sweating just buckets. Um, I felt incredibly embarrassed. Even just now remembering it, I'm, I'm, I'm flushed with shame. But it's Kate Micucci. She's not going to hold my feet to the fire, even if she's as pregnant as it gets. And it's late. And um, she was so cool about it. I hit the right button. We reset the interview and started over. We had a laugh about it. We both agreed after the fact that perhaps it was a better interview for having restarted. And I'm so grateful for her. Um, You know, I feel like all the guests I'm lucky enough to speak to on Wheels Off are people that would probably be pretty cool about a technical malfunction, even though I was personally responsible for it. It wasn't really technical. It was... It was me screwing up, but she was the ultimate in kindness, and of course, because she's Kate Micucci. Um, She's an actor. She's a comedian. You may know her from Scrubs, a TV series that used a lot of my and the 97's music over the years. You might know her from The Big Bang Theory. She's been in a bunch of really cool, super funny movies, a bunch of TV shows. She now does a ton of voiceover acting as well. And um, I'm just so grateful that I got to sit down and pick the brain of the great Kate Micucci. So please welcome to Wheels Off, Kate Micucci. Welcome to Wheels Off. Once again, Kate Micucci. Hi! I'm using borrowed equipment, and I'm going to blame it on that because I didn't hit the button enough times. And I didn't want to look at the machine to make sure it was going, and it wasn't. So we just had 12 minutes of conversation that we didn't record. It was all really boring stuff. It, it, we, it was like it was <laughs> no. like a dry run. My face is super flushed no, now. No, no, don't even worry. Are you kidding? Okay. Oh, wait, is it, it's going, right? We're good? It's the, yes. So the, no, okay. the numbers are going. That's the big thing. Um, Kate McCucci uh, is... We're right now, we're in your apartment. Yeah. And, um, and we're here with your sweet dog. Yeah, that's Claire. She's Claire is so sweet and cute. Us. And um, boy, I'm really embarrassed right no, now. No, you know what? Here's the thing. Um, I, I can make this sound like we never said. I, I we're gonna make it sound like we never said any of this stuff. Okay. We can just start like like you know take two, and now it's gonna be like even more. Would it be more comfortable if we moved up onto the couch? It'll be like a whole new thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay God. I'm so I I should say, and and we were talking about yeah. this, but this is sort of like a very much an interim apartment where. Um, we're we're here temporarily, and it's like a very strange feeling because it doesn't quite feel like me, but it's just like you know, it, it's fine for now. I I describe the place as a divorced dad meets a resort. Um, it's like it's not it's a you know it's a fine place, but uh yeah, it's not like you know it doesn't have my like stuff yeah. in it, you know. Um, so I we've gotten to be friends for about fifteen years. Like, uh, I, yeah, well, I was a huge fan of yours, aw. and I'll never forget when I, I, my roommates had a bunch of CDs, and uh, the instigator mm-hmm. was there, and I was like, oh, who's this guy? Because, like, that cover is so striking, and I was like, who is this person? Too and then I was like, I love this album, and I was obsessed with it. Aw. Actually, we, I should tell the story about how, you know, when the old Largo was closing. That, see, that's what I remember, is that my very last time I ever stepped foot in the old Largo, which... 
listeners, you may have heard us, me talk about this before. It was a really magical place in yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, it, it was my, amazing. The hub of my Hollywood wheel, and I loved it so much. But my very last time I was ever there, I feel like I remember meeting you. You told me about Garfunkel and Oates. Yep. And um, and I thought, oh my god, this person is so fun and cool and exciting. And then I was like, yeah, but I'm gone. I now live in New York, so see you all later. And this place is gone, and everything's changing. And what was happening on, on my side of that is I knew I was going to New York. It was my first time doing like a real movie. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it was for uh, this Disney movie called When in Rome. I was going to be in New York for three months, and so I, I knew I was going to miss the closing of Largo. So I was like, oh, the last show I'll go to see is, is Rhett Miller. Like, I love that guy, and I'd never seen you perform. Um, and so... As we were, as I was leaving, the door was right by the stage, yeah. and I said, "Hey, I just want to say it was a great show, and also this is my last time here at at this lar- at the old Largo. You know, well, we didn't call it the old Largo at that point, <laughs> at Largo, um, and I guess that was your last time there as well. Yeah. And then cut to how I mean that had to have been five or six years later. The old Largo is then turned into this like very hip club. Yeah. And do you remember this part? Of, so maybe that's when you told me about Garfunkel and Oates, because maybe it wasn't I, I, already... Well, we had a nice little conversation right at that doorway. I, yeah. So I think maybe I told you about Garfunkel and Oates you were then. Just starting, oh, because you, would, you were just starting to do it at the TV show when I ran into you. Yes, so then... The new... Yeah, so I, I'm like, oh, and I'm about to walk into the door of the new club that is the old Largo. And I'm like, wow, the last time I was here, gosh, like I went to go see Rhett Miller. Like that was so wild. And like those <laughs> memories and I opened the door and there you are. <laughs> As if I'd never moved. It was so crazy. <laughs> I, I love stuff like that. Me too. It's like meant to be stuff. And we hung out that night and it was great. And it was just like, what are the odds? Oh, it was so cool. That's so sweet. And, and it's funny, just so many things happen. Okay, so in the interim, um, I always start off these interviews by asking, what creative project are you working on right now? And how does it light you up? And I know the answer, but for the edification of our listeners, will you tell them why you're so lit up at the moment? I'm so lit up and overheated <laughs> because <laughs> I am uh, pregnant. I'm going to have a kid in two months. So that's been the project I've been working on, uh, <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a whole new world. My first kid. So I have wanted to be a mom for forever. I, well, I always thought I'd be the cool aunt because I was such a tomboy. So like yeah. the idea of actually having a baby seemed so ladylike that like I was like, oh no, when I was a kid, like <laughs> I'll be an aunt. Um, but then when I was about 20, I was like, oh yeah, no, I really want to be a mom. And you, but you did ba- babysit. So you. I babysat were... a ton. Yeah. And I, it was like. Yeah, I, I get. I would get really attached to the kids. Like Aww. they were, they were like, yeah. I feel like that's really where my like mom instinct kicked in, or something. Where I was like, oh, I've got to do this, like yeah. you know, for myself someday. But, um, but yeah. But I also was like, well, I have to build a career. <laughs> and so it's a lot of things that have to go in place. And I would have done it by myself. I was gearing up to do that. I froze my eggs and everything, like thinking, like I'm not gonna just like pick some ram- random dude. Like I need to have a kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, but then, yeah, I, I got married two years ago almost. So I remember when yeah. I first saw you with Jake, I remember thinking, this is perfect. Like, you guys just looked like you were drawn together. Like yeah, someone... <laughs> that's sweet of you to say. Yeah. I feel like we were, it's interesting because we had so many mutual friends. Yeah. And I, I don't know how we hadn't met before. 
It took a dating app for us to meet. Which oh, is really I didn't, funny. I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> we met on Raya. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, but but yeah, I feel like I feel like it was just sort of like you know, not to sound so cliche, but it was different. It just like clicked right, right away. I was like, oh, this is this is something that I've not experienced before. But but yeah, so it's kind of nice to be like, all right, well, now we're starting our life together and going to bring a kid into it. I hope I hope he's a musical kid. I think yeah. uh, Jake's a musician, so. Yeah, we'll see. Who knows? <laughs> Which means, since I've known you, I feel like you you work so much and and you are so well. I would say focused, but there are so many different media in which you work. So right now, in the midst of being seven months pregnant, you're also still working. All yeah, the time. I've been working. It's strange. Like I over the summer did a you know I like did some uh, movies, just like small parts in movies, but they were really cool parts. So that was really fun. And like I didn't feel like I was slowing down at all, and then um, and then I did an episode of Mom in the summertime, which I had the best time. So I went back last week and did another episode of Mom, which is a sitcom, which is my favorite thing to do because I love having the studio audience, and it's like it's just the, I don't know, it's like the most electric feeling. I just like I guess I really get a high off of an audience. I'm sure you know that feeling, of course. So. Yeah, I I haven't really slowed down aside from my body's now telling me like slow down. Yeah. Like I get really winded and sometimes walking. I actually like will be walking the dog and then I have to like sit on the grass for a couple minutes. Oh. And the dog is so sweet; she just sits there with me and waits. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean the doctor was like, "You gotta chill. Like when are you gonna stop working?" But now I think I'm kind of hitting a point where I I feel like I have to like physically. But but like today I I went to I, Scooby Doo I do voiceover and, um, and then I was recording songs with my writing partner Ricky Ricky Lindholm she and I have a duo called Garfunkel and Oates and uh, we've been writing a lot of songs for two separate projects neither of which I can talk about yet but um, but they've been a blast and we've been working our butts off so it's been you know the thing is like thankfully with music and writing. It's mostly stationary, <laughs> you know, yeah. at least at this stage of the game. What do you find yourself writing on now, mostly ukulele or guitar or um, keyboard? With, yeah, with these songs, it's mostly been piano, I think. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Now that's got to be great for the, the baby and they're hearing piano. Well, it's so it. funny because here in this apartment, we only have a keyboard in mm-hmm. there. And Jake was like, oh, no, we need the kid to be able to hear it. So he went out and got that amp, which is, is the like height of a chair. <laughs> and so I sit on the amp and then I play. But yeah. Oh, yeah. So the vibration actually yeah, goes into your butt. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. That's what his plan was. Well, yeah, I, I don't that's know. That's really sweet. But then he was playing bass, so that's why it's out there. Well, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in in utero listening, you know, whatever. Like once you're at the later stages of the pregnancy, I remember I read something about it. And so when Max was in... Erica's belly, for want of a more appropriate anatomical term, I would go in and sing up against her. I'd sing in, I'd sing every night. I would sing, I can't help falling in love with you. Oh, that's so sweet. And then after he was born, I would sing it to him at night. And still to this day, he'll be 16 this week, still to this day, not all, not every night, but, it, but if he and I are, if I'm putting him to bed and we're like bonding, I'll just lean in and I'll sing it to him. And it's, uh-huh. that's and it, so cute. It, it, and it breaks my heart every time, like this moment of connection that goes yeah. back to before he was born. When it gets to the bridge of that song, I'm sorry, I know this is all about me. No, when no. It gets, when it gets to the bridge of that song and he says, um, take my hand, or the third verse, take my hand, take my whole life too. 
he, starting when he was a baby, he would reach out and his little hand would grab my hand. And now he'll do that with his actual giant man hand. And it's, oh, oh my God, it my breaks my heart. Gosh. I love him so much. So, uh, and he's like a mini you. That's the other thing. He looks so much like you. It's you crazy. <laughs> well, he's very oh, much his own man, but he's, yeah. he's sweet and he's beautiful and he's caring and he's funny as hell. You're going to have so much fun. You're going to be a great mom. Oh, thanks for saying that. I, I hope I hope so. I, I'm excited for it. But, um, yeah, your kids are awesome. We, they I, love you. We had that time at the Troubadour <laughs> where um, my brother was – it was it was really neat because it was like me and my brother hanging with, with your two kids. And uh, how many years apart are they? They're two and a half years apart. Yeah, and my brother and I are two years apart. So there was like something about that. We're like, oh, yeah, you know, we're many years apart uh, you know, but yeah, but it was like really cool to be like, yeah, we're siblings hanging out, right? Um, it was just such a fun they, hang with them. They loved you, and then Soleil yeah. got I know locked in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, she got locked in the bathroom <laughs> at the world famous Troubadour. Oh and, my um, gosh, that she, was so funny. She's a little, you know, she's got some anxiety. She's a sensitive kid, and she was in there and she felt trapped. And you were so sweet. You talked her through. You got her rescued. You brought the security in, and they opened it up. And she always talks about you like a savior. Oh, that's, I mean, that was quite a time. I mean, it was like really funny too. Like we were, we were passing notes back and forth and <laughs> under the door and you're on the stage and you're rocking out and you just like, you know, obviously have no idea that upstairs here we are having a little bit of a, uh, a moment and then so my brother ran and got the security guy yeah. and he shows up with like just this ring of keys and none of them are working and so he's like I'm gonna have to bust down the door and this is all while you're singing and yeah. I'm like oh my gosh this is crazy and we were like okay move to the back of the room <laughs> so the door is gonna b- bust open and don't you know go as far as you can and she yeah. did and uh and then <laughs> and then we just told funny stories you know yeah. made her feel better that's but um, and then I'll never forget you were great because oh no who's at the door? Oh, we they, never have visitors. Uh, hang on, let me just yeah. Hang on, this could be right. exciting or not. Wheels off, fans. Hang on, we may have to edit out this. Or it I might be really interesting. From Amazon. Oh yeah, you're they probably right. Um, okay, here we go. She's walking to the door. She's looking through the people. Hey, how's going? Oh, hi. One of her neighbors with a French accent is handing her a package. Very sweet. How nice is that? That's a really nice neighbor. It's one of your neighbors. And that Jake got new pants. Um, <laughs> and the neighbor signed for FedEx. That's very sweet. Um, apartment living can be good. That's really great. <laughs> But anyway, I remember as soon as as soon as I found out you were pregnant, I thought about the the interaction you had with my kids, and I just thought, oh, you were built for this. You're just you're a very kind person. Oh, so, well, thanks. And you know, I was going to say in that moment where you you know you did your set, and then it was in between the encore and the troubadour. You know, you ran up those stairs, and we were up in the in the um, green room, and. And so I was like, Dad, I got locked in the bathroom. And you were so sweet. You could see she was upset. And you were like, I've got to go play two more songs, but then I promise we'll talk about it. And you were so, like, calming to her. And I was like, that is such a good dad. You're such a good dad. Well, you know, that's the trick, though, is that yeah. we're, we're all in this together. We yep. all work together. And I do think that our generation maybe has it a little better figured out than maybe the previous ones in terms of, like, I'm not controlling you. I'm your yeah. partner. We're, yeah. You know, just life is hard. But still, you got to like, I'm sure, lay down the yeah. laws sometimes. So you, <laughs> well, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, 
so you grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania. Yep, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. It was when I was younger. It was known for two things because Mario Andretti oh. is there, and uh, the um, IndyCar races used to happen there. Yeah. They had once a year a big race, um, but now it's a abandoned racetrack. And uh, also Martin Guitar, which yeah. is I didn't realize how special that really was until I moved to LA and became friends with so many musicians. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, no, Martin's like four minutes from my house. All like when you're in high school, you could always get a job making strings. No way. Yeah, it was just like not a big deal. And then it's like, oh, that's a huge deal. Like, yeah. you know. That's pretty And they've funny. been so nice to me and given me a bunch of my ukuleles, which is cool. But um, So so, I, I just kind of want to, I'm always fascinated by the idea of if there's an epiphany moment. And how does one know that one is destined to be a creative person and make that, devote their life to creating things? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I, I feel like a lot of people probably feel this way, where it's like, you know, when, well, when you're little, you're, you are creative. Like, I feel like every person is in some way. You have an imagination, and, you know, for one reason or another, people, you know, you're all, every kid is drawing, you know, for the most part. Or, you know, and I, I always have this theory that, like, if, if there was a piano in every house, every kid would be playing it. But not every, you know, not everybody has one. But we did, I actually thought that I thought a piano because like my, my we had one my grandma had one my aunt had one so I just thought that it was like a bathroom like I thought you and I remember going into a house and going where's your piano like and they were like what and I was like where's your piano like don't you have a piano like that's just as much as you know you need a stove and you need a piano you know <laughs> but, um, I love that so and they were much always, you know they weren't fancy these little tiny like spinet like 1960s kind of pianos that we all had but um but yeah I mean I just feel lucky that when I was a kid, like, it probably sounds cheesy, but I, you know, I, I'm doing the same thing I did. Like, I, I draw, and I write songs, and I perform, and I put on little shows, and I still put on shows, you know, just yeah. like, I get, I just feel like I've been able to, you know, capture the stuff I did when I was younger, and I still get to do it, which not everybody can say that. So I do feel really lucky. Was there a moment where you realized that the thing that was play could also be like a job, like a living yeah, I mean, I really was into children's television. Uh, I mean, obviously, when, when I was a kid, but as as I was getting older, like in college, I really got into it. And I was like, oh, maybe I want to do something along those lines. But I was also really into toy design. So I was kind of going back and forth. And then I started making puppets. And I thought, okay, well, you know, that's maybe a way I could perform. Because I was really, I was a very shy kid. But to hide behind the puppets seemed like a sort of safe way to be a performer. And I was taking a lot of sculpture classes. I love sculpture. And I was making all these puppets and doing these shows. And then I was just like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe. And then I was like, oh, maybe I can do voiceover because that, you know, doing puppet voices made me think that. And I'm like, and I still wouldn't have to be in front of the camera. And, uh, and then finally, I just kind of like, I don't know. I did like a 180 and I was like, okay, I can do, I can, I can perform in front of people. I'm not shy. But uh, what was your first acting gig? Well, my first, like, paying gig was a commercial for moviephone.com. And and I'll never forget, I got to set thinking, oh, my gosh, I have made it. Here we go. And they hired me and another girl because they couldn't decide between the two of us. And I've never heard of this happening since. I'm sure it does. But I, so I was like, oh, so I maybe don't have this part. They're like, yeah, we're going to shoot it with you. And we're going to shoot it with this other girl, and then, you know, we'll figure out who, who gets the gig later. 
And I was like, this is crazy. Aww. And the... Um, and then like, I why wouldn't they just do it separately so you didn't know? Like, I know. I remember cruel. we met. I met the girl, and she was very nice, but definitely had more under her belt and was telling me all the things she'd been up uh, to. And I was like, oh, man. I'm like, well, this is my first job. And it was like somewhere in the valley. It was a hot summer day. And we had to eat caramello bars. And it was no talking. It was just a voiceover. And... I remember her caramello bar melted in the funniest way and everybody at Video Village was laughing so hard and I was like, oh man, her candy bar melted. I hope my candy bar melts when I get to do this and it didn't and I was like, oh man, they're definitely going to go with the melty candy bar. But then, uh, turns out I got the gig so it worked out. Uh, that was my first paying gig. <laughs> but of course, the anxiety that goes along with that, it basically never goes away. There's always something where you're like, oh, I hope I do this right, you know? <laughs> So when when I talk to you, you bring up the word anxiety pretty often. Oh yeah, but, I, I have but it's it. funny because <laughs> it's I wouldn't necessarily think that, and probably people that don't know you well at all would just never imagine that you would suffer from any kind of anxiety or um, or like I don't know. I mean, is it? I like to ask people about self generated obstacles. Like, yeah. are there? Do you do you make? Do you have a, a hard time? Dealing with just your own inner struggles. And how yeah, do you deal with that? I think I think I've gotten much better about it as I've gotten older. And um, knock on wood, but like I had really bad OCD growing up, like um, where I'd have to like you know tap a thing three times and then the other way and keep it even. And my brother had it. My cousins, I guess it's hereditary. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and it was at one point in my life, in, in like middle school, high school, even in college, like especially if I had a big test coming up or something, it was paralyzing to me. And then I started to grow out of it a little bit, which is good. And now I don't, you know, it's more like I just have to check all the lights, which is I, I think a very common thing for a lot of people. Like, but it's not nearly what like I I when I was a kid, I'd get home from school and I had a ritual where I had to touch every corner of every picture frame but it had to feel right and if it didn't I had to start over again and it would take me an hour hour and a half to get through because mm. also I had a ton of pictures in my room yeah. <laughs> and, and so I just would have to go through and they were all like old movie stars and things like that it was like a very it wasn't like you know in sync posters it was, it was like Humphrey Bogart and um, Babe Ruth but like I, I so I like would have to go through my whole room and do that and it was just like you know crazy stuff and it was very I never told my parents like about that part of it. I'm sure they saw little ticks and things, but, um, but yeah, that kind of then just led into me being anxious. And I think in a lot of ways I, I would just always like, you know, if an opportunity came up, my instinct would be like, oh, it's not going to work out or, mm-hmm. oh, that seems too hard. Or I, I'd have to just really work my way out of that thinking. So I'd be like, yes, like, let's do it. I normally would say yes. Like I would, I would know enough to try it, but I would have, to go through this whole obstacle in my head before I could like get there, you know? Yeah. And I, I think I sometimes probably got in my way early on more. And now I just try to be way more open to things and be like, okay, you know, and I, I think I am more comfortable in my own skin in some way, but I guess that happens as you get older. <laughs> so. I mean, you, you must be cause you get up in front of audiences. Yeah. You, you do, you do a lot. You put yourself out there. I like to do things that scare me, you know, I think it's good, it's healthy, you know, to a point, <laughs> you know, there's certain things you probably shouldn't do, but. <laughs> I think that's big. I think that's uh, to challenge oneself. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah, I mean, and then because I'll, you know, if you don't do that, then what, like, what do you have to write about? <laughs> you know, like, or like feel in some way to like put into another thing. It's like fuel, just like getting fuel somehow, you know? Yeah. It's funny. I think, I think a lot about why am I making this thing? Am I making this thing because I want to make money off of this thing? That seems like a terrible reason for making a thing. Yeah. Or are you making it because you need to work something out or figure something out or just for, to make a thing of, I mean, when you sit down to write a song, I know there's reasons for writing the song, but, um, do you find yourself kind of going to a meditative place? Do you find yourself really calculating sort of, I want to write a thing about, like, do you, what's you know, your process? It's, or is different. It all different? it's it, And I think it used to be more different for me when, before I started making a living at it. Yeah. I just, these songs would pour out of me. And I also feel like, I don't know. I'm, I don't think you're, I think you're, you've been very lucky to stay on your path in some way and that you're writing songs and, Probably, I don't know, has, I'm sure it's changed since you were younger, but, but you're yeah. still writing them for you, yeah. for then an audience. Like, where I, I feel like when I was in my 20s, I was just writing songs, and they, I don't know where they'd come from, and it was like, whoa, okay, you know? And it's like, and then it started to be like, oh, okay, with Garfunkel Notes, it's very calculated. That's almost mm-hmm. like math, because it's comedy. So it was, you know, you can't make the melody too melodic, because then... If it's too pretty, it's not funny. Like, there's, like, a lot of, like, little things you have to think about where it's, like, sometimes it's funnier if it's more static and 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 the same note or something, you know? So, like, it started to become, like, like a math problem or something. And then... but Is then it when still it, fun? It's still... Yeah, okay. yeah. I would say it's it's just not as, like... You know how sometimes when you're writing a song and you feel like, oh, okay, how oh, I can feel it's coming on. I got to figure... You know, I yeah. got to get to a piano or I got to write, write it down. And, like... With Garfunkel Notes, it's more like, let's figure out the subject. Okay, what's funny about this? And there's, we have documents. And then, you know, Ricky will go off and usually do a pass the lyrics based on the documents we've written. Hmm. And then I'll take those lyrics and work on a melody. And then we kind of come back together and we, then it gets messy, but um, in a good way. Um, But yeah, I feel like that's, it's just such a different process. And, And for so long, those, that's kind of how we were writing. And lately I've been writing, you know, you talk about like writing for money, <laughs> but like yeah. I, uh, one of the things I can't talk about, but I can talk enough about it enough to say we have these songwriting assignments and it's been so interesting and almost like a real learning experience in a great way because we're writing, I've just had the most fun writing these songs and it's, you know, there's, it has to be about a certain subject and hit these notes and like uh, not musical notes, like yeah. hit these educational notes and things like that. And it's a blast. And it's like, oh, wow, like I'm writing in a different way than I've written before. But but it's fun. I, yeah. So I guess I guess it's like I think writing these songs for hire has been a very uh, healthy thing in some way for me to go. Oh, I can do that. And it still feels right. And it still feels true. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's maybe not you know, pouring my soul out. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how much having a collaborator, like a, a writing partner, I wonder how much, like when you're feeling um, uh, anxious about your own thing, like is it is it really helpful to have somebody there who not only validates you, but also kind of helps push you to do more stuff? The collaboration thing yeah. fascinates me. I think, I mean, we kind of feel responsible for each other's 
time. Also, you know, it's like we're also, I mean, Ricky and I have been working together for 12 years, I think. Yeah. And so we've really hit a point where, of course, we know how each other works. And and it's like, you know, if we decide, okay, we're going to write today, we we maximize that time and it's, it's good. It's, you know, we usually have like a, you know, 10, 15 minute talk of like friend talk and catch up and then we dive into it and it's, it's great, you know? And then of course you have the days where you're, you're just kind of hitting your head against a wall and you know, you go for a walk around the block trying to figure it out. <laughs> I but I always feel like those days and sometimes you have three or four in a row and you're like, Oh my God, have I lost my ability to do anything? And then the next time it's like, Ka-ching, and you write like a whole song in an hour, you know. God, I love it, that. So I feel like those those like lost days kind of bank up in your brain somehow, and then it works itself out. Yeah, you maybe know? your subconscious is solving problems yeah. while your consciousness is just feeling frustrated. <laughs> totally. Um, so finally, if you were, and, and I think maybe asking you this question has a significance that it might not for someone else because you're really contemplating bringing someone into the world. If you were meeting a 21-year-old version of yourself who's working in today's world, yeah, um, what advice might you give yourself? Um, gosh, I think I would first of all say don't like. I don't feel like once I figured out what I wanted to do, I, I really it was hard to figure out how to work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like I think especially in this town in LA, like people will go on a hike. And have a coffee with someone and be like, oh, well, I I did my my actorly duty because I had a coffee with a person who gave me some advice or something. You know what? It's like, it's like oh, but yeah, but how is that getting you to the next thing? You know? And I, I feel like I had to learn that that wasn't going to get me anywhere. <laughs> like you have to like make stuff. At least that for me, that was my path is really things started to click once I was putting myself out there and doing shows and live shows and, you know just getting up on a stage like sometimes every night depending on you know especially when Ricky and I first started working together we we were performing every night just wherever we could to to get better you know but but yeah I think I would say for like my 21 year old self at 21 I still hadn't dated I still hadn't like really learned how to like do my own laundry. Like I was like a very shy and very sheltered. So, I mean, I guess there's a lot of things I would tell my 21 year old self. The big thing is I would say, don't miss out on your twenties. As far as I feel like creatively, I was just like a faucet. I just, you know, just like, like don't, don't miss out on the stuff you make in your twenties. You know, like I don't, did you have that where you just like, like it's before you have any real responsibilities and, it's before, I mean, I'm sure there are, of course, there are people who are lucky enough to be like totally successful at 20 or 21, but there was no, there was nothing, I didn't owe anybody anything. I was just making stuff and like go with that and don't stop yourself and just keep, you know, that, I guess I would just say like, yeah. Like, like that's a golden window. Yeah, right? it is. When it's, it's like, okay to be poor and it's free. The freeing. stakes are low. Yeah. It's it's super freeing. Like and you just do and and you've got no you've got no um uh nothing you have to live up to. Like people don't expect like, oh God, I can't believe that that you know, I have loved everything she used to do and now this thing, what the hell it was. Yeah, this? it's like your first shot at things. So yeah, yeah. there is that. I, I, I would say Yeah, don't miss out on that stuff. And also like 
Yeah, I mean, I think not to be shy. I was really like I like just be more I would say put myself out there even more than I did, which I mean, I look back and I'm I was pretty fearless. Like my first I I couldn't do what I for that same reason you just said, like I couldn't do my act that I first did now because I'd be so embarrassed. But at the time, I nobody knew who I was, and I was singing like a virgin through a snorkel, and I was making out with these bird puppets on stage. And, like, it didn't matter because nobody knew. They were just like, what is this person doing? And it was so fun for me. I, I mean, I hope the audience liked it. But, like, when I think back to my first act and the fact that I was doing that kind of stuff, there's, like, you you can't go wrong. So, like, in your 20s, yeah, you it's, like, it's your chance to try everything. Yeah. And oh. without any you know, consequences. <laughs> so. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I really uh, appreciate you sitting down. Thanks and, for and coming on over to this weird apartment and uh, talking to me. I, <laughs> well, I love getting to spend time with you and I'm so excited to see what human being emerges from. Me too. I'm knocking on wood. You, I know. Knock wood. It's, uh, yeah, I know. I hope he's a musical kid. I, he's been listening to a lot of show tunes because that's what I listen he, to. Oh, yeah, it's a he. It's a he. Oh, yeah, oh. I gave it away. It's a he. That's okay. I, I've told everybody. <laughs> I'm not being... We have, You know, Ricky and I, are, one of our most popular songs is called Pregnant Women Are Smug. Uh, and I'm trying not to be. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm not like I'm not holding any secrets. I think you're doing fine. All right. Well, thanks so much, Kate McCoochie. Oh, uh, thanks, Rhett. It was great talking with you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.